You know, man, it could be worse. A woman could cut off your penis while you're sleeping and toss it out the window of a moving car. There's always that. I don't know, it's just when you buy furniture, you tell yourself, that's it, that's the last sofa I'm gonna need. Whatever else happens, I've got that sofa problem handled. I had it all. I had a stereo that was very decent, a wardrobe that was getting very respectable. I was close to being complete. Shit, man, now it's all gone. All gone. Mm. All gone. Do you know what a duvet is? Comfort. It's a blanket. Just a blanket. Now, why do guys like you and I know what a duvet is? Is this essential to our survival? In the hunter-gatherer sense of the word? No. What are we then? Consumers. Right. We are consumers. We are byproducts of a lifestyle obsession. Murder, crime, poverty, these things don't concern me. What concerns me are celebrity magazines, television with 500 channels, some guy's name on my underwear, Rogaine, Viagra, Olestra. Martha Stewart. Fuck Martha Stewart. Martha's polishing the brass on the Titanic. It's all going down, man. So fuck off with your sofa units and string green stripe patterns. I say never be complete. I say stop being perfect. I say let, let's evolve. Let the chips fall where they may. That's me, and I could be wrong. Maybe it's a terrible tragedy. Nah, it's just, it's just stuff. It's not tragedy. Well, you did lose a lot of versatile solutions for modern living. Fuck, you're right. Well, my, my insurance is probably gonna cover it. What? Things you own end up owning you. But do what you like, man. This is the Lightning Junkies Podcast with your host, Chaz Cryptison. On this 21st episode of the podcast, we have 21 is Enough. He is building the open source project for a lightning ATM. In this episode, we go through the journey of a lightning ATM, and we also explore the personal philosophy of 21 and how it's related to his being a digital nomad. I really enjoyed recording this podcast because it kind of serves as a precursor to my philosophy, psychedelics, religion, etc. podcast that I'm going to be launching soon. In fact, I'm ready to announce that I'm going to be launching it in February, again with a tentative title, What is Real? Patient Zero is going to be someone within Bitcoin and Lightning that has some very interesting views that he would like to share. I'm pretty sure this is going to be a very weird episode, with the second episode being related to psychedelics. And again, having it being someone from within the Bitcoin community, quote unquote. Eventually, I do hope to get interviews with people outside of Bitcoin, crypto, and, you know, this entire little bubble that we live in. The future goal of which would be to create content on Lightning Junkies that would appeal to newbie users and advertise that content on the What is Real podcast. This would also work in reverse as well, since I would obviously advertise my other What Is Real podcast here on Lightning Junkies, just so you listeners out there can get a deeper understanding of the things that I'm curious about now and into the future. 
You might be wondering why I had that Fight Club clip at the very beginning of the episode. I happen to find it relevant to the subject matter that 21 and I happen to get into. Speaking of which, let's go ahead and jump into this episode. I've talked long enough. would like to go ahead and welcome 21 is enough to the lightning junkies podcast how are you doing today 21 hello thanks i'm great had a good day yes i'm all well perfect well at the very beginning of, the, of these podcasts i like to just get a general background of my guests so this usually involves what did you do before you got into bitcoin and before you got into lightning sure yeah i was interested or got into Bitcoin or actually didn't get into Bitcoin first. I got into Dogecoin, really. <laughs> That's where it all started for me in 2013, early 2014, where I discovered this Dogecoin thing and realized or read online that you could make money online by by such a thing called mining. Yeah, that was really how I got started with, with Dogecoin and started to build my own little mining rig with GPUs, also bought one of those USB butterfly miners at the time. So like a, a little miner that you could put on your desk and mine some Bitcoin. Yeah, that was my start. And for the following years, it was sort of an on and off thing. So I found back to it. I was interested again for a couple of months and then I left it aside and didn't really pay attention too much. And it was really around 2016, 17, when I finally caught on again and ever since been interested in Bitcoin and followed what's happening around Lightning. Nowadays, it's an everyday topic for me. It does not go a day by without Bitcoin these days. Got it. So yeah, you're the second person on the podcast so far that has told me that they've gotten their start with Dogecoin. <laughs> okay. And I, I find this interesting because I see a lot of relation to the lightning network and kind of the mentality behind tipping and things like that that were very popular in the doge community mm -hmm. back in the day would you say a lot of that community is what got you interested in dogecoin at the very beginning or was it mainly just to just to make money off of doge that is that is an interesting observation i do think what really got me interested there was definitely the money part i was kind of doing my calculations how much could i do what gpus would i need to buy there were those google sheets online where you could look up which gpus would give the best returns at what temperatures could do could you run them if you eventually wanted to resell i knew i had to run it at like 90 something degrees and it was still like i, I ran them maybe for about a half a year eight months or so and i could still sell them and they wouldn't they wouldn't be damaged during that time so it was definitely this sort of economic aspect of how could I run my hardware as economically as possible, still being able to resell them after. And then the community part was more, it was exciting to me to see all this happiness. Like Dogecoin is such, was such a happy thing for me. Being on Reddit, reading other people's posts, all this moon, all the memeing, like the memeing was super, super strong with Dogecoin in 2014. A lot of, a lot of happy people enjoying memes, sending dog, doggies around, shibis. I think was one of the terms that was used on Reddit and the tipping definitely, it was an interesting thing, but I, at the time I didn't realize that this is a payment rail, that this is a protocol. I did not have that understanding that I have today. I didn't think of it as a, yeah, as a money really. 
it was just fun. It was fun and games. It was playing around. It was sort of this magical internet money thing that was just fun to send around. It didn't really occur to me that this was a sort of mind-blowing thing that you could transfer low value over the internet and all the intricacies and the details of it, I wouldn't understand. I was just, it was, I was part of the funny play around community of Doge, Dogecoin. Did you think that particular community is something that was valuable that no longer exists anymore? That I don't know. I haven't really been on our Dogecoin for a long time. And I didn't really engage with the community anymore when I got rid of my, uh, I had a season, I had a, like a couple hundred thousand Dogecoins at some point. Ever since I sold them, transferred it into Bitcoin, I did not engage with the community anymore. I do think that is that was a very important part to me. And if it does not exist anymore, yeah, it's half fun probably. <laughs> so you're saying that later on you ended up getting into uh, Bitcoin. Was there anything specifically that triggered that uh, changeover? I think... The more technical I got with the whole topic, the more I read about what is exactly going on, the more I learned about its cryptography and its all the technical aspects, the more I realized, I, I looked at that data and I was like surprised how much there was and how much innovation there is all of a sudden realizing all these things were are sort of present in Dogecoin as well, since that's just a fork of Bitcoin, but I never knew about it. And learning about it, realizing how much there is to explore was just a mind-blowing thing to me. I went down this rabbit hole, as people call it, and explored various topics and was just super fascinated to learn all about its technicalities, but also about economics in general, realized how little I knew about money, all those topics that all of a sudden pop up when you dig a little deeper in and around Bitcoin. And it just captured me. Yeah, I can't let it go anymore. It's just like every, almost every day, a new topic opens up and a new area to explore. Too many almost. If you're trying to follow, if you're trying to following, follow what's happening in Bitcoin on a, on a, protocol level, but then also layer two solutions like Lightning, then today I feel like this is almost a full-time shop. There's so many things that um, are new every other day, but it is nonetheless super exciting still to read, to get some news. I try like these days, I am building something right now. So I trying not to get too much distracted by news or by Twitter in particular. It's nonetheless uh, what keeps me excited about Bitcoin. Absolutely. So when did you get interested in uh, Lightning? I was interested in Lightning. I think it was definitely around the scaling debate in 2017 when, yeah, the whole SegWit debate, all, I mean, for a lot of people, this was about uh, block size, but also definitely SegWit was um, as technical or a little bit more technically inclined people know about the malleability fix that was implemented and made Lightning possible or much easier, much more secure. So that was around 2017 when, when SegWit got activated and then mainnet Lightning early 2018. I started to play around with, uh, with a node that I set up LND at the time. There was another couple months where I didn't pay too much attention early to mid 2018. I still like sometimes I have this feeling I, I'm playing around with lightning or a building on top of lightning now. I still want to 
learn a little more about the core protocol. I have a fairly good understanding, but I'm still like working through Jimmy Song's book chapter by chapter. Uh, what's it called? Programming Bitcoin, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I was really, to answer your question in one sentence, excited and interested from the very beginning. Talking more recently, you know, back in October, I met you at the uh, Lightning Conference and you were showing me your newer project. Do you want to let the listeners know about this particular project? Yeah, absolutely. It was, to me, never really clear what I wanted to do in Bitcoin. I was super excited. I read about Bitcoin every day. I researched various topics. I was always a technical person, so I was always interested in uh, technical details. But I never knew what I wanted to do. Do, do I want to like contribute to a certain project that is out there? Or which part of Bitcoin is really the one? Should I, should I write some articles? Or I was, I was, I was unsure. And then eventually at a Bitcoin conference in um, Amsterdam, breaking Bitcoin last year, came up with this idea of a Bitcoin ATM. And since Lightning was already a thing, and I realized I could send around very low amounts of digital value, why not have an ATM that accepts coins, that accepts little coins, like a, a two cent euro coin, and send that to the user? That was that was what I thought about during that conference. And I talked to a couple of people as well. When I got back, it just stuck with me. It was like, I did not know how I would go about it. I knew this ATM thing, it thought about it. Um, I researched a little, I didn't really know how I would build it. I didn't, I did not have an idea how I would put this thing together. I knew a fair share of hacking with Raspberry Pis and with other, other single board computers, but I did not really know how I built such an ATM. I had to research, for example, how do I accept coins? Do I need to build my own little device or is there something that I could just use off the shelf, a hardware component? All the other parts, screens, the Raspberry Pi itself, is it going to be a Raspberry Pi, would I need an, an, another board? What about this coin acceptor? And slowly I gathered information, found different products online, found products that I could order from in China, found products that I could order around Europe. And at a certain point, I had sort of a list of hardware together with which I thought I could probably build something. I learned a fair share of, uh, or a fair bit of Python programming in Justin Moon's Biddle Bootcamp. I was, uh, I think, part of the second or, or third iteration. And that I thought would probably also be a good language to do, to build something like this ATM with. And then I just sort of started, yeah, bought all this hardware and got it delivered, was excited. One piece after the other arrived and I slowly built, built it up. I started uh, setting up my Raspberry Pi, putting some Linux distribution on it, started to play around with it. Oh, just really simple things at the beginning. Connected eventually when I got an, my display, which is an e-ink display that I use for the ATM. Connected that to the Raspberry Pi and started displaying things on it, pictures and animations. Uh, there's a lot of interesting things you can do with an e-ink display. And from there on, I just gradually improved over time. I started to improve the added additional hardware components, added a button, started to do certain things on a screen with a button. And one after the other, 
led to this ATM, to this lightning ATM that some have seen at conferences, others maybe on Twitter, which is a box that you can put on a table. It's as small almost as a, as a shoe box and throw a bunch of coins into it. On the display, it will say how much in euros, in dollars, in pounds. You can program that as um, to your liking. Show the amount of coins that you've inserted into the box. At the same time, show you how many satoshis you will get for these for those coins. And then, with the press of with the push of a button, you can initiate the payout process. And on your mobile phone, where you have your Lightning wallet, create an invoice scan that with the camera that's part of the ATM, and then the amount of Satoshis will be sent to your Lightning wallet. That is where the project is at this point. And yeah, that's what I built over the last couple of months. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, used that uh, at the Lightning conference, and it was pretty cool to see in real life. Uh, it was a, a pretty fast experience, pretty kind of illuminating on what you know we might see in the, uh, the future of you know Lightning. Do you see the kind of long-term vision of this project being a more built-up ATM? Because just for the, uh, listeners that may not uh, know, this particular uh, ATM at this stage is kind of more of a prototype. Would you agree with that? Yes, yes, definitely. I would agree with that assumption or that assessment. I I do think there is uh, definitely a market. There is um, a huge market, I think. But for now, I do believe I'm working on it. Rec- like now, I've been on holidays, and there was uh, the the New Year is now start. I kind of start slowly, and but uh, now start again to work on the ATM, and I will do that every every single day. My idea is definitely to get that project to a point where it is easy for people to just rebuild it. Like that is my first goal. I want this, there, there is one or two other Bitcoin ATM projects out there, like open source projects on GitHub, where you can go and, and buy a bunch of hardware and use the software that's provided. But most of them are deprecated or have not been maintained for a long time. My vision for this lightning atm i would love to see this to be sort of the go-to solution for people who want to have their own little bitcoin atm i do not at this point think too much about the commercial aspect or people companies who would want to buy that atm in huge quantities for now i think it should be a tinkerer project i want to attract contributors i already do have some pull requests i have people that i'm in touch with right now who are building who are rebuilding what i've done and who want to help me in the future so i would love for this project to become just a reliable stable atm solution that people can rebuild for their bitcoin meetups maybe for their families for who whoever whomever they want to show how easy and simple bitcoin can be with lightning because i i do think one of the interesting things about the about this lightning atm is that it is a tangible way of introducing people to Bitcoin. You've had those conversations, right, with friends and family and tr- trying to explain them how it works and what it is. And you talk about this digital money and you might be able to send it from one phone to the other. Yes, but at the end, if you can actually turn money that you just um, hold in your hand, a coin, a physical coin, throw it into a box, see something being displayed, 
see an exchange rate realizing, oh, okay, so this Bitcoin thing can be bought with fiat money and then getting it sent straight to your phone and the whole process takes like less than 40 seconds. This is something very powerful. And I would love to see those ATMs being built around the globe in Bitcoin communities, in Bit for Bitcoin meetups, in workshops. It would, I think it's a great introduction into Bitcoin and into the Lightning Network in particular. You know, let's say a, a meetup was to put together something like this. What skills would they need to in order to actually do that? Um, I think at this point, I'm going to answer those questions two ways. So for now, you got to be really quite technical. You've got to have some Linux skills. You got to install or flash an image. You got to clone a GitHub repo. And the hardware part is also a little tricky and difficult. I've been, I'm in touch now with about, I would say a handful of people who are building the ATM. And to those I send pictures or I explain, or I send them like Raspberry Pi pinouts where you can see where do you need to connect all the different cables. There is about, I don't know, like 20 plus cables that need to be connected between the display and the button and the camera, the coin acceptor. There, there is a power sort of thing as well where the coin acceptor needs runs on 12 volt power and the Raspberry Pi runs on 5 volt. So that needs to be somehow um, solved as well with, with hardware as well. You've got to be quite technical at this point. It's not easy. There is a handful of people who are trying and who are building it now. I would also say that it will become dramatically easier over the course of the next couple months. What my plan is really at the end to have a solution where a almost non-technical or maybe a little bit technical person can go basically buy the hardware that is listed on my GitHub or buy a kit even maybe at some point there will be a kit available where people can just buy the hardware parts and put it together fairly simple, fairly easy with instructions online, either maybe at some point there will be a YouTube tutorial or for sure, a, a Git books sort of instruction guidelines where they can follow one step after the other and get their ATM up and running. So I would say for now, you got to still be quite technical. And in the future, I would say a person that can set up a like Raspberry Pi today, a, a Raspberry Blitz, something of that sort should also be able to assemble a, a Lightning ATM. When you were mining Dogecoin, did you think that in a couple of years that you would be creating your own Lightning ATM? <laughs> no, definitely not. Definitely not. That uh, that was uh, far. No, no, I didn't think that far. <laughs> it was That was really uh, short-term thinking that I had there. But it, it is fun. Like thinking back to those times, um, it's it's an interesting path that I've been on, but it's super exciting. Also, like being around last year, I've been a bit to too many conferences, but I started maybe around 2017 to also meet people. Like that was the first time ever that I met people in Bitcoin that were, yeah, like interested in the same things as I was or as I am. With Dogecoin, I always only communicated over the internet in forums, on Reddit, in chats or things like that. And now it becomes sort of real, right? When you meet people, when you talk to people, when you get to meet the people that you interact with on Twitter, it's it's mind-blowing what has happened over the course of the last five, six years. 
I would definitely not have thought that it's going that direction back in 2013-14. Do you think, you know, let's say in 2025-2026, you're going to be just as surprised by where you are then from your current position? That is an interesting thought. Yeah, maybe... Maybe I am, yes. Do you think I'd be building on Ethereum or something? <laughs> well, I, I would hope not. But I mean, I'm <laughs> I'm thinking that, you know, we've gotten to such a, you know, not an not odd path, because I think a lot of people knew that lightning was coming in, you know, even in 2013, 2014, 2015. I definitely feel like things are going to get a lot weirder by, you know, the mid 2020s here. We're going to have a lot of interesting things being built on top of lightning, we're going to have other layer two solutions. We're going to have a layer three solutions. Maybe even some weirdos out there doing some kind of layer four stuff. I don't know. I find the fact that we're out here kind of with a niche of lightning, flooring that, you know, I have a lightning junkies podcast here. We're working on a lightning ATM. Will there be even more niched up people in five years that are kind of even working on a smaller part of this? You know, people may be working on watchtowers or some other small portion of that. Do you have any kind of thoughts on that? Like my life in general, I don't think too far into the future as just a like base concept. The way I live, like for example, I don't, maybe that, as a little side note, I don't really have a home. I don't, I don't have a place that I would call home. Closest to home, definitely my, my, my parents' house or where my family lives, but I live wherever I just feel like living. I've been for the past six months, I lived um, in Lisbon, that was last year. Now at this point, I'm in Bulgaria for the next one and a half months. And I often just see what's going on and decide more. I, I liked my life to be super flexible. So I always decide more or less on the go where I want to be in two, in three weeks. Sometimes I know for the next two months. Sometimes I don't know next what's where I'm going to be next Monday. So in general, I don't really think too much about the distant future. And also having been now in Bitcoin for the past three years, more or less every single day, so many things have happened now looking back only in those three years that I find it hard to predict or to think about what is going to be in three years. I, I mean, I do agree with you that there will be a lot, a lot of super interesting things. I've just been, by the end of last year, I've been at the CCC, the Chaos Computer Congress in Leipzig, where a lot of Bitcoiners were as well. And I'm mentioning this because Peter Woolley, Woolley was there too for the whole day, for all the days, and uh, Max Hildebrandt and a bunch of other Bitcoiners. There were super interesting conversations, super interesting talks. We had a an introduction into Taproot. I'm absolutely excited about all the developments, all the potential changes about the privacy um, aspects that might soon be up for debate. And also there's probably going to be proposals that we need to vote on with our notes. I do believe that it is going to be exciting, but I almost feel I don't really want to make too many predictions or think too much about where it's going to lead and where it's going to take us. I really like to take it month after month and just be surprised again in a couple of years where I ended up. Yeah, I think that's a really good philosophy and way to think about it. Would you call yourself a digital nomad in that way? Yes, in a way. That's that's a term that people often use for people like me. I, I have not 
I've used a term to to when people are when I realize when I tell people what I do and I see that they're sort of like don't really get what I'm doing. I mention this term and say, yeah, digital nomad. Have you heard of that? And then most of the time, people realize, oh, okay, yes, that that I heard of. I don't in general like labels that much. I'm I c- it could easily be that in like in half a year I'd be staying in a place and I. I don't know, fall in love <laughs> and stay there for the rest of my life. I'm, I'm open to that. I'm not a person that is forcefully trying to travel as much and as often as he can. But I definitely live uh, at this point a life of a, of a digital nomad. Yeah, I go from one place to the other and enjoy the things that are around me. Right now in Bulgaria, it's a beautiful place to go skiing. So that's what I do here for the next one and a half months. I mean, not every single day that you can't do that, but go skiing one day, uh, work on the ATM the other day. And in one and a half months, I tear down my tents here, so to speak, and travel on to other places. In between, I'll be in London real quick. Um, early February, I'll be at Advancing Bitcoin. Then there will be a meetup in Sofia, the capital of Bulgaria, where I'm also going to talk about the Lightning ATM and then go back to this um, place where I'm staying right now for the rest of February. Then I'll be in Gran Canaria for a little while. There is going to be Bitcoin 2020 in San Francisco that I'll be at. And there is a couple of other events that are already outlined. There is a couple of interesting events in around April this year. Lightning, the Lightning Hack Days will be in Barcelona. So those, I kind of plan my life around those events at this point. And uh, yeah, as I said, I don't really know where I'm going to stay in early March, but I'll sort it out as I go. Do you find that there's a lot of freedom not being bound to any one location? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, there is. Maybe that's what also what makes me a Bitcoiner, right? This feeling of freedom is maybe one of the most important things that's dear to me. There is I, I also, as a professional, I'm a data center engineer. So I work as a contractor some months of the year. I work for a company uh, or for different companies and do I work on data center projects. So that means building a data center and helping to build out the rooms, put in racks, put in power, fiber cables, copper cables, all these sorts of things. And that sometimes like this year i don't have any project scheduled or i do not plan to as of now work on any project last year i've done that for about three three or four months and this sort of keeps me going like this helps to pay the bills and whenever i work on a project like this i'm going into this normal setting where people are normally in a job and a nine to five job. And I feel after a couple of weeks or months, I feel a little, uh, there is this tension that builds up. I, my freedom is definitely worth a lot to me. And whenever I can, I try to be as free as I possibly can. This traveling, not being bound to any location, also being free and flexible to accept certain offers that are around. Like um, it could be that next week someone talks to me or walks up to me and says, "Like why don't why don't you join me? I, I've, I've scheduled or I planned this trip to go here and there, and I could easily just 
accept it or, or take the offer, or say yes to this. Uh, yeah, have my own plan. So I'm this this freedom that you mentioned that is really really one of the most important things to me. Yes, absolutely. So I mean, sorry to kind of go off on this tangent on you know this kind of part of your philosophy here, but I find it uh, fascinating. Would you mind kind of giving us some background? Was there anything that really got you into this? I do think that. It so partially, definitely a relationship that wasn't no more when I started to travel a little more. It, that that is really, and I, I was never a big traveler. We went on like holidays, a week here and a week there, and enjoyed it at the beach or so, like most people do. And when that relationship ended, I started to travel more often. I went, I went on little weekend trips. I came back and was excited what I've learned, what I've seen, new cultures that I'd experienced, even within Europe, for example. You can do that quite easily, right? Traveling. The countries are so close. You can experience different cultures easily over a weekend. I kept experiencing Extending that, I made longer trips. I decided, oh, there was uh, Asia was quite tempting, so I went over to Asia for for about two months. Came back and I was I was hooked. The traveling that was around fourteen fifteen. Traveling became a big part of my life, and I just wanted to see more of the world. I've realized for the last years I've never really done that i've been in this relationship uh, maybe i would almost call it a hamster wheel that i was in and that i kind of escaped or jumped out of by this relationship that ended and when i realized how excited i could get and how how much there is to see like the more you travel the more places you go to and the more people you meet the longer your list your list gets of places that you want to go to and i just never really stopped I found a way to combine the two, working in IT and having a job where you could either work remotely or arrange it in a way that it that it fits with your travel schedules was definitely super convenient. And I would say around 14, 15 and 16, I traveled a lot, like moving every other week or every other month. And that is something that slowed down. So look, slowed down a little over the over the last two years. I'm not a fast traveler anymore. I'm not a digital nomad that needs to be at a new place every other month. I can stay in uh, at a, like for example in Lisbon that I stayed for the last six months. I did my traveling. Sure, there were a lot of conferences. I was in in Berlin. There was Riga. There was London. There were there was San Francisco too. But I had sort of my base in Lisbon, and from Lisbon I traveled. And but I also really liked Lisbon. Lisbon is a a beautiful place, great weather, lovely people. Um, the beach is close. I choose those places as well, and and then also costs, right? So costs is uh, definitely a, a huge factor when you choose a place that you want to live in for a couple of months. Yeah, it has slowed down for. The last couple of months, uh, the, for the last two years, I'm staying a little longer in certain areas, and I try to get the most out of it. I explore the place, I go out, I see things, I meet people, and it is a great way of living. I feel like I, it could go on forever, but also at the same time, I'm open to everything. It's not that I want to do this and forcefully sort of go every other month or feel restless or I would need to go. But um, it is just 
it fulfills me really yeah would you say that you keep your possessions and things that you own to a minimum absolutely absolutely when i left an apartment or my last real apartment that i stayed for for longer than like a year i got rid of probably 90% of what I owned at a time. A lot of things I gave away, some things I sold, and also threw away a bunch of stuff when I realized how much I had accumulated over the past decade or so. So by now, I don't have much anymore. I have a, a little storage facility with a bunch of cardboard boxes that I once or twice a year go to and pick out a couple of things. Or if Sometimes when I work on a project, I might as might also stay close to the company that I work with for, for three, four months, and then also go to that storage facility and get a couple of things just for convenience sake. But what I own really ha- fits into a, into a suitcase and a carry-on luggage, and that I carry with me. And it's fantastic. I don't need much or I did, I don't need much anymore. I don't buy things. I mean, apart from ATM <laughs> sort of equipment that needs to be replaced or yeah, those are hardware is definitely a thing that I invest in. But apart from that, I, I don't go out and need my laptop is from 2014. I think I replace things as they go bust. So do I need a new, a new sweater? Do I need new pants? Yeah. Then I buy a pair of new pants and I throw my old pants or I give them away if uh, I give them to the place where other people might still use secondhand clothes. Reducing my fixed costs dramatically since I don't pay rent anywhere has helped me to just survive longer with a given amount of money, right? You can, if I work for three, four months and I do have a, a low cost life, I can stretch it a quite quite a fair bit and i own very little things i can easily put it here right in front of me and have a good overview of everything that i have and it is really liberating it comes back to back to this point of freedom the freedom not to be worried about a car or about a apartment or about hundreds of thousands of other things plants and whatnot that you have and own and needs to be like everything you own needs to be maintained somehow right and i have very little things so i'd almost spend no time on things that i have and gives me a much much more time to um, spend in bitcoin <laughs> uh, absolutely it, it sounds like you kind of embody the whole fight club uh quote of the things that you own end up owning you <laughs> Yeah, 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 exactly. That is the case. I uh, really appreciate going into the more personal spot there. Yeah, sure. So how else do you plan to kind of improve the Lightning ATM going forward? Do you have any particular plans on that? Oh, yeah, I've got a huge, huge list of things that I want to work on. And I do think, especially this comes down to the fact that it has been really overwhelming the feedback that I got from the community, people who want one people who want to build one people who are just super super encouraging telling me how amazing they think this is and how much they like the project i've got a huge list of things that i want to do i'm in touch with a couple of people who are willing to contribute as well some have already there have been a bunch of pull requests that i've merged into it for example there is a topic quite at this point so i i do want to have different screens for example so right now there is this one screen that you can work with it's an e-ink display 
from Papyrus. It's like a, an English manufacturer. And there is a ton of different screens that you could use with this ATM. TFT displays, other e-ink displays, and I want to make the ATM more compatible with different screens. There is this point of making it easier for people. So one thing that I'm constantly thinking about is a like a Linux distribution, a sort of lean distribution that I could eventually put together myself, sort of like an ATM Linux distribution, Lightning ATM Linux distribution that people could download only a couple megabytes in size, flash to an SD card and have basically everything ready to go. Um, that's another thing that I'm interested in. Then there is this idea of having a PCB board designed for the ATM. So right now, as I said before, there is like 20 plus cables and a lot of different things that you'd need to connect. It would be nice to have a custom designed PCB board with a couple of connectors where you click in your display, click in your Raspberry Pi, and you'd had like a couple of connectors still for the coin acceptor and for the button. But it would be a lot easier and easier for non-technical people to put it together, sort of in a sort of a Lego system almost, you could say. On the software level, there is a couple of things that I'm working on right now. I um, built the ATM initially with the compatibility for LND. So LND works as the backup node or worked as the backup, still does work as the backend node for the ATM. Um, I'm planning to also have it work with uh, C-Lightning. My goal is really, yet again, since I want to also uh, get those on board who aren't too technical, BTC Pay is one of my favorite projects in this space. And I intend to have a setup process where people just scan their BTC Pay credentials that you can show on your in your backend of BTC Pay. You just go to your REST API, you get the QR code. And this QR code, same as you would show an invoice that needs to be paid to the ATM, you just take that QR code, show it to the um, camera of the ATM, and then the ATM would basically just configure itself within within seconds really it would be ready to use your btc pay server to pay out people who use your atm this also works at the moment with lnt xbot which is a telegram lightning wallet so you can also connect your atm to this lnt xbot this is even easier it is a non-custodial solution but even easier if you just want to use it with like 10 20 bucks or so you can download this or not even download you have telegram you create a new conversation with this lnt xbot and you are you have a lightning wallet you top it up with some bitcoin twenty thousand satoshis and then you can connect this bot yet again only within within like a minute to the atm just there is a command you create a qr code within lnt xbot and this um, QR code you show to the ATM, and then your ATM is ready to pay Satoshis to whoever uses the ATM. So what there is a lot of improvement that needs to go into UX, because by now there were so many things added over the last couple of months that I now need to figure how do I create or how do I design the user interaction, because there is 
On one hand, there is the people who will use the ATM as end consumers, as those who put in their coins and receive Satoshis. And on the other hand, there is the owner of the ATM who wants to do certain things, who wants to set it up, who wants it to be secure, who wants it to be easy as well, maybe have a have an overview somewhere in a in a web overview, a web dashboard or something where they could see what's what's been going on. Yeah, those those are a couple of things, but I've I've probably only mentioned about half of the things that that I have on my list. While you were kind of, you know, doing this whole thing and getting it up to speed, uh, was there any difficulties in working with Lightning or anything unique to Bitcoin um, while developing it or getting up and running? To Bitcoin and Lightning, I would almost say there weren't that many issues. No, I did have, I started initially... I'm, I gotta say it was around late 2019, so definitely network issues with amounts um, that low and little weren't really a problem. So I rarely have routing issues. That that almost never happens. What I had issues with in the very beginning when I when I tried to hook up L and D to my ATM was that I started with the gRPC. API and that did not work that well. I just I managed somehow to to make to make it work, but it was just a little too finicky at the end. And then I decided to go with the REST API that's also provided, and that is flawless. That works just perfectly fine. Never had any problems. Never had any issues. So what Lightning or Bitcoin concerns? It's no, it's it's fairly simple. It's fairly there is a couple of like at this point, the ATM is really an ATM that you need to be close by as the owner. You can't just put it someplace and expect people to know what they what they have to do. Insert coins and then yeah, it's still at a point where you sort of need to be next to the ATM and this and, and explain how things have to happen or how they have to interact with the ATM. I would say it will definitely get to a point where also this user interaction problem will be solved. I'm mentioning this because, for example, if you um, just display or if you show the ATM a normal Bitcoin address, then it obviously can't pay to that address, right? You you got to have a lightning invoice. So there should be a warning saying, oh, this is not this is not a lightning invoice. You please display a lightning invoice. Or for example, if I can reach the node, but there is no route, would I maybe in the future, the topic came up of maybe even like opening a channel towards that node or towards that wallet with this initial transaction would be an option, right? I could, uh, rather than sending Bitcoin or Satoshi through existing channels, I could use this initial interaction with the user of the ATM to open a channel towards them and push the the bot amount towards them would be would be an idea for future implementation but what i think i had more issues and troubles with the hardware part um than i had with lightning the lightning part was fairly easy about that project yeah you know how much time do you need to kind of dedicate to this you know if you had only weekends would it take you know six months you know what are we looking at here at this point i've a lot of people ask and i i often say at at this point i don't really recommend doing it yet i i'm happy for everybody that does for people who are technical enough with hardware with software with linux they should absolutely go and try because it helps it helps the development it's great to have other people building it and giving feedback and helping improve to improve the software. 
but it is still really not it's not hands-on at all so if you're not technical and you would do this you would start doing this today and even with my help it'll take you a long time it'll probably take you yeah months as you say a little more technical people i think could do that in uh, in probably say two three weekends or something if you are if you've ever played around with hardware, if you have maybe some experience with Arduino, if you know how to connect a couple of cables, if you know what is a, what are GPIO pins, how do I talk to them, what is, yeah, how do I flash a Linux distribution, how do I set up a Raspberry Pi, and how to know a little bit of Git, clone my repo, and you definitely need like at this as i said you need sort of like a couple of pictures from me where you can see where all the cables need to go where do they need to be connected but i do think for technical people it is still feasible as it's been demonstrated within my direct messages that i got over twitter so i can see that people are actually building it i have seen that other people were able to get to the point where were inserting coins, things sort of worked. There were maybe a couple of flaws, but for technical people, yes, it can be done in a reasonable amount of time. But I am at this point not really encouraging anyone. I, I'm not saying, yes, go, people, please go and build it. I am sort of waiting to the point where it is a stable, reliable project with the, the fundamentals, the solid fundamentals, a great code base on GitHub. And most importantly, when I had the time to to write a proper tutorial, a guideline, I really, really love what BTC Pay Server has done with their documentation. Their um, doc.btcpayserver.org doc is a is a great, great uh, platform for people to go on and research um, how things need to happen and how to go about it. And I want to have the same for the Lightning ATM. I want to have this um, website where people can go to and just go through one step after the other and that is the point where i feel comfortable and where i will encourage people where i will say yes please people go buy these hard this hardware parts and build it this is there are the instructions tell me if there's something you don't understand i'll help you i'll fix it i'll um, adapt update but i think that will probably take another uh, say two, three months. <laughs> if people wanted to support the project in some different way, how would they go about doing that? I think what would help the most is definitely giving me feedback. Like if, even if you're not technical and you maybe, you don't think you can build it yourself, give me feedback on the things you see online. Maybe you are at a conference. I will be again this year on a couple of conferences and it would be nice just to hear your thoughts on it. What what would you like to see? What could be done better? Yeah, what are the things that you'd be excited being built into this ATM? What would make you go and want to build one of those? These are definitely things non-technical people could contribute to the project. Open an issue on GitHub if there's something about the code or certain features that you would want to see implemented into it. Yeah, that would that would certainly help. Was there anything else about the Lightning ATM that you thought maybe the listener should know about before we kind of end the show here? Mm, I think we covered we covered most of it. Yeah, or probably all of it. I do think. Yeah. Okay. I, perfect. Yeah. Just if you um, see it on Twitter, 
hit me up, ask me questions. I'm fairly, fairly responsive. If there's anything that you want to know, if things you want to let, let me know or, or things you, you don't really understand, just hit me up, ask me. Yeah. I want to hit a couple uh, kind of easy uh, lightning questions just for fun here before we close out. Sure, sure. Okay. Um, is there any kind of lightning app out there that you would um, that you would say that you really enjoy? Yes, Phoenix. Phoenix is. I've been blown away when they published it. It's just it's just a fantastic application. Their user story, the the medium post, I think it was that they put out the sort of story that they went through downloading a wallet, funding it, deleting it, sending money from it. It's a beautiful application. It's specifically if you know how lightning works and what needs to um, happen in the background for this to be possible it's it's a gorgeous beautiful application i'm i really hope soon they announce it for 2020 that there will be an iphone app as well because this is the lightning go-to wallet that i that i recommend um, to people when they ask me what what wallet to install. Absolutely. I, I really enjoy the work that they've been doing over there as well. So going on from there, is there a Lightning app that you would like to see out there that doesn't exist quite yet? Yes, I would like to see messaging. I've seen something in, I think that was Berlin as well, a Lightning messaging application. And I know that some others are sort of playing around with it. That'll be an interesting, an interesting application. Messaging over through the Lightning Network, um, completely encrypted, end-to-end encrypted. That'll be that'll be something really fascinating. I definitely think that's my most popular answer when it comes to that particular question. I've been getting that a lot as the is the messaging thing. I think that's kind of reaching the end of my uh, my questions here. Do you want to go ahead and let the listeners know how they can find you on Twitter and the rest of the internet and all that? Yeah, absolutely. They can find me as 21 is enough, pretty much everywhere. 21 is enough. And that is where I am, yeah, where they can reach me on Twitter. Twitter is is pretty much where you can reach me. My DMs are open. So if there's any questions, if there's anything you want to know, if you need help with um, the ATM, I will be at a bunch of conferences, definitely in London for advancing Bitcoin. And there is going to be the Lightning Hack Days. There is... What else is there? I think there's one or two others already scheduled for this year. Definitely at any conference that I'm at, hit me up. I'm always open to discussions or questions, whatever, whatever you have. Happy to engage. <laughs> uh, perfect. Um, I'll probably most likely see you at the Bitcoin uh, 2020 in San Francisco this year. Good, cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I just want to go ahead and thank you for joining me on the Lightning Junkies podcast, 21. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Great being on. Boom. That was the 21st episode of the Lightning Junkies podcast. Did you learn anything on this podcast? The digital nomad kind of lifestyle that 21 is enough kind of operates within is something that I envy very much. Low-key, one of the goals with you know, this podcast and the other podcast that I'm starting is to be able to give myself a very similar kind of digital nomad lifestyle where I'm not necessarily tied to any one particular location and just kind of constantly travel and learn, explore life. 
understand myself, understand my place within the universe, whatever that means. If this podcast generated value in your life, please consider donating to my crowdfunding campaign. You can find it at crowdfund.lightningjunkies.net. You can donate both Bitcoin on-chain and Bitcoin off-chain using the Lightning Network. You can donate 100 sats, or you can donate a million, or anything in between. Or even more, if you're really feeling generous. There are other ways to support the podcast as well. You can tip me with tipping.me. You can pay for episodes on lncast.com. You can sign up for SparkSwap and earn 100,000 sats. I'll also earn 100,000 sats if you sign up and buy $15 worth of Bitcoin using the SparkSwap service. The link for that is in the show notes. As well, if you wanted to sign up for the Fold app and you haven't done that before, use my link below and we'll both get 20,000 sats. If you can't afford to help financially, please spread the word about the Lightning Junkies podcasts. Tell people this is the best Bitcoin Lightning Network podcast that exists in the two universes. Don't forget to subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use, and don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel, which is linked in the show notes. I do plan to eventually have more video content like tutorials and video interviews. I probably won't be in those video interviews myself, but hey, we'll have other people in the interviews and that's good enough, right? Beyond that, I'm going to go ahead and leave you with that. I will see you lovely, lovely people on the Lightning Network.